and welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This is a podcast dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum. Today, we will be talking about Shakespeare. My name is Greta, and my favorite fun fact is that the Greek word for bear is arctos. So, for some of you linguists out there, you might recognize that arctos is the root for arctic, meaning with bears, meaning the Antarctic is without bears. If you're ever curious which is which, you can just figure it out like that. It's literally named after where the bears are. Isn't that so smart? That's pretty cool. I'm Lauren, and I learned through a TikTok yesterday that Stardew Valley accidentally violated the Geneva Convention. By (laughs) They had the doctor's sign be a red cross, and according to Geneva Convention, you're not allowed to have anything but the Red Cross Association have a red cross. Oh, that's kind of insane to me, isn't it? Yeah, they have like a monopoly on the on the Red Cross. I guess it makes yeah. sense. That's their name. Yeah, <laughs> Figured it out, guys. Fascinating. <laughs> All right, I'm Becca, and my fun fact is that most of the Muppets are left-handed because their Muppeteers are right-handed, and it just kind of gets flipped when they perform. I love that fun fact. Me too. <laughs> so excellent. I'm Elise, and uh, very on brand for me, I have a hockey fun fact. My favorite team is the Seattle Kraken, and actually, the person who designed the Seattle Kraken logo is Cornell College alum, John Rizzardini. Woohoo! Yeah, we love hey, Cornell alum. Great chat. <laughs> Excited for preseason. And now I should stop talking about hockey. All right. <laughs> Save that for the other podcast. My hockey podcast that I don't have? Correct. Comment if you think I should have a hockey podcast. (laughs) All right. So today we want to talk about why English classes focus primarily on Shakespeare's tragedies rather than his comedies. From an anonymous comment left on our survey, someone said that they really enjoyed all the Shakespeare we read and wished we'd done more comedies instead of all tragedies. And if you would like to give us similar feedback or comments, don't forget to fill out our Google form, which is found on our social media. Yeah, or you could even give us different comments, other things about Shakespeare. Other things not about Shakespeare. (laughs) But it was really interesting when we were first having these conversations about what we read in high school that most of us only read or mostly read tragedies. I didn't read any comedies until college. And when I got to the third act of As You Like It, I was confused why no one had died yet. Yeah. And that's like such a great question. Like, why do we focus so much on these tragedies in high school? And, you know, like, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in a later episode when we talk about Edgar Allan Poe, right? But all of the things we talk about in high school tend to have these really dark themes to them. Yes, I distinctly remember my mother when I was in Honors English 9 saying, is this just Depression 101? (laughs) (laughs) And it it was a really depressing class. (laughs) Yeah, I think everything we read was either about murders or some other form of tragedy, even like our memoirs and such. There was no no happiness allowed in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like some books are only given recognition if they're serious or sad. This is also true with children's fiction. Mm. Most of the books that win the Newbery are just like the most heartbreaking and tragic stories you have ever read. Mm. And comedies just don't really get as much critical acclaim, at least in what I've noticed. Yeah. Hot take from Elise, things that are happy... Uh, aren't necessarily worth less. Whoa. 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 Hot take. <laughs> I, I think Were you that's a class a cold clown? take myself. But. I was not the class clown. I don't know what I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, back to Shakespeare. 
So what were the most common tragedies that you guys read? Well, we all read Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was one of the most commonly read of our survey, tied with To Kill a Mockingbird. But that was the highest ranked of any of the Shakespeare. And then I also read Hamlet, Macbeth, and Othello. So I did one Shakespeare a year, always the tragedies. We had one comedy. We read A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I really loved. We also read Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, and Julius Caesar. Yeah, I also read all of those. So right back at you. Ditto. (laughs) We did Romeo and Juliet my freshman year, and then my senior year we did Hamlet. And other than that, we did not touch Shakespeare. So interesting. And was, was Romeo and Juliet for you guys also just like the freshman like introduction to Shakespeare. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reading that as a freshman, that was that was interesting to say the least. Yeah, I don't know if it's just that they're like, oh, these group of 14-year-olds can relate to these 12-year-olds in love, like they're all horny. <laughs> well, and, but like... it's also <laughs> right because she's like 12 or 13 and he is not. He is 17. Yeah. yeah. Which gross. Right. <laughs> but yeah. honestly, if you think about it, Juliet is Romeo's rebound. It just happens to end in murder. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous how this is taught as like this great romantic story when again, these are children. And again, yeah, murder, murder, guys. It's not a, I mean, it's a tragedy. It's definitely not a happy story. And I don't know why it's commonly hailed as like the defining romance story. Yeah. Like, we're, we're just going to, like, run over the fact that, like, wanting to die for your significant other isn't toxic? Like, okay. Oh, I can't live without them. That makes our love really special. Yeah. Never leave me or I'll kill myself. <laughs> right. Such a classic romantic line. Don't fall for that one, kids. Please yeah. don't. Please just run far, disclaimer. far away. Disclaimer, we are being sarcastic here. You should not <laughs> want to kill yourself if your partner leaves you. That's not a good relationship. That had to be said. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm glad you did. But getting into like how Shakespeare was taught for all of us, because I think that's kind of the area where most people struggle. You know, a lot of people are like, I didn't understand Shakespeare. The language is too old. I didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. Elise is raising her hand right now. (laughs) I have a quote. I have a quote from our survey that I'd like to share. There's a lot of time spent on things like Shakespeare, and I really did not gain anything from it or see how it's useful, aside from teaching us that anything can become an insult, which, like, that is a very useful part of Shakespeare. But that tells me a lot about the way that this person, you know, was taught Shakespeare. Because I had a much different experience. Freshman year was the only year that we pretty much only read it, read the Shakespeare that we read. Other years, it was things that we acted out in class. We had roles. I played Lady Macbeth. It was a great time. Or we would, (laughs) Or we would watch adaptations, different kinds, while we read it along. And that really helped us understand because it's meant to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's pretty universal that when reading Romeo and Juliet freshman year, almost everybody watches the movie with the like, Zac Efron lookalike guy. See, and I, yeah. I I watched the Leo DiCaprio version. Really? Shout out to my freshman I teacher, Mrs. Both. King. Yeah, yeah. And but I remember I remember my my uh, English teacher kind of painted the Leo DiCaprio version as like being bad going into it. He was like he was like this is the newer version. They do like weird things with like guns that they call swords, and you know it's just like I don't know how I feel about it. And so it took me a long time to like really like feel okay about that version. But, you know, once once you get into it, I think you realize that it is good. And just like 
seeing these plays performed as even as movies and not as plays is going to benefit you a lot more than just reading it in the long run anyway. One of the greatest things I got was when I was in high school, I did theater and we did Macbeth my junior year and we got to just really dive into it. I mean, we were rehearsing that show for probably about a month, month and a half. I played Ross in the second apparition. Oh, the, one that, the most important oh, yes. characters. Absolutely. The one that Macbeth famously just completely ignores. And I was like, Psh. can you give us a line, please? <laughs> oh, oh, it's been so long. Did you prep for this? No. no. <laughs> it was your script. Um, Come on. <laughs> oh, and I left my copy of Macbeth at home today. No, it's like, Macbeth, Macbeth, beware Macduff. Ooh. Something, something, something And then stuff. he does not beware Macduff. <laughs> he does not. He's like, <laughs> no one born of a woman can kill me. Hey, you ever heard of a C-section, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> he is not, in fact. No. Is, that was like his whole thing. The Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, so how did that experience, you know, like, like being in the play and like getting to look at like the inside of a play through like an actor's lens, how did that change your perspective of it? Oh, it was a completely new experience. It's probably what led to Macbeth being my favorite Shakespeare story. You just get to see the world so intricately that he created and getting to see it physically and just really just plant yourself in the story is just entirely different than reading it on the page. Not only are you hearing the words out loud the way that they're meant to be said, but you're also figuring out the meaning behind the words that you say yourself. And I mean, again, I was... Ross, I wasn't like Macbeth or Lady Macbeth, but even just getting that clearer understanding of that character and the role that he plays in the story is integral at really unraveling why it is such an important story or so like complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to go back to something that you said about not just reading it and hearing it like in your head. And I think that's one of the things that I've noticed, even with just poetry in general, is that, you know, you can't really expect yourself to understand it if you're just reading it once in your head. I think there's saying it aloud, saying it aloud a lot of times, you know it much more intimately, exactly like like Becca was talking about. I think it just changes things. So when we would, you know, sit in class and we'd go around and everyone would say their lines that they had, and then after that we'd watch one version of the same scene and we'd watch a different version of the same scene, I understood it so much better and I got so much more out of it, especially like any jokes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It feels so flat when you're just reading it on the page. You, yeah. You have to really like, see it come to life. You know, part of that, I mean, we, we call it old English. It's not old English, but um, for the sake of this, I'll call it that. You know, part of that like old English kind of vibe we get is we're like, oh, they've never joked about anything in their entire life, you know? <laughs> um, and so we have to we have to pretend that this is like the most poetic thing that you've ever heard. And, and obviously that's not true. Like, I mean... I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what it is here, but if anyone wants to look into the origins of the title Much Ado About Nothing, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that's maybe that's why they didn't want to teach the comedies was because of all of the innuendos. Oh, yes. Yeah. Come on. The tragedies <laughs> are full of innuendos. Oh, right, yeah. but not as, I feel like not as obvious as some of the ones in the comedies. I feel like a lot of them just get taught as these like profound and prophetic tales that Shakespeare, the great Shakespeare, has, has given us. And as someone who studies Shakespeare so often, they thought he was ridiculous even back then. Actors, playwrights, they were not regarded as these excellent people. Sure, 
he had special permissions because he knew like the royalty, but that just means that he got to put more innuendos in his plays. Classic. <laughs> yeah, and so Lauren, like I know you study Shakespeare like yes. pretty pretty heavily and that's kind of like your big interest here at Cornell. But you didn't know or you didn't like Shakespeare coming into into Cornell really, right? No, I didn't start liking Shakespeare until around the end of my senior year of high school. We got to act out Hamlet, and I had a lot of fun with it. And then there was also that sort of rebellious thing of every one of my classmates hated it, so I was determined to find its value. I still find that there were a lot of issues with the way it was taught. Romeo and Juliet was taught very poorly for me, where it was a lot of reading it by myself. And I actually reread it after the class, trying to understand it. And then senior year with Hamlet, we didn't get to watch the movie as we read it, which would have been so much more helpful. Watching clips was always seen as a reward for getting through it. So we didn't learn anything from it. See, I think providing context to something to a story, especially something that's in language that you're not used to reading, which, let's be honest, we were not used to reading (laughs) Shakespearean language when we were, like, 15. And I'm still not used to reading it now, but providing that context, oh, here are all the characters. So it's not just, you know, flat on the page. It's these are living people. Mm -hmm. And then giving the emotion to it. I think you there's so much more to gain with that. And it's not cheating to (laughs) listen to an audio theater production of it while you're reading along. I mean, I did that with As You Like It in college, and that changed my understanding of it completely in in a really great way. Bringing us to to kind of another question is, what what is to gain from reading Shakespeare? You know, other than this extremely valid, we should learn all the fancy insults. (laughs) (laughs) Why, you know? Yeah. So as someone who very much enjoys writing critical essays about Shakespeare and his works and their interpretations, Shakespeare, in a way, his stories, the way he writes, shape a lot of the different formats and genres that we think of as classic today. And there is value in seeing that hundreds of years ago, people were having the same experiences that we are. I think, however, there needs to be less focus on he's hundreds of years old, he must be amazing and serious and great, and more focus on how has the world changed since then, what has stayed the same, how can we talk about the problems in Shakespeare (laughs) without only talking about the problems, as well as sort of approaching it in that less serious manner of we're going to act this out and we're going to make sure everyone understands the jokes and I'm not going <laughs> the way my teacher would make fun of us for not understanding the jokes was so oh my God. Awful. that seems so counterproductive it's it their was. job to teach you to understand it so to just make fun of you for not immediately having that knowledge is just yeah bad thing yeah bad oh. but going off of what you said with kind of the less serious approaches to it I think one of the values in it is that a lot of the stories that he told, which granted many of them also came from Greek tragedies or tropes that existed long before him, but also persevere in like more modern tales. Like just a few examples, like kind of like in the 80s and 90s, Shakespeare reimaginings were like the top thing, like 10 things I hate about you. So I think it's very fascinating to get to look at how they have influenced more modern storytelling. Yeah. And like 
not to plug my favorite rom-com here, but like if you haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You, you should definitely watch it. In my opinion, much better than reading Taming of the Shrew. Uh, it's so entertaining. I love uh, that movie. Heath Ledger, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw an article the other day trying to argue that Lion King was about Macbeth, and I was so upset. True. Excuse me. Or the right? witches. The yeah. hyenas? No. Yes. Because I don't talk I was to like, they wait don't a Lady Macbeth. Well, I guess wait a minute. Should we make another movie? <laughs> okay. okay, Disney. Disney, are you listening to me? Let's, let's make a lion movie <laughs> that is just Macbeth. <laughs> in the same way that The Lion King is Hamlet. Okay, but if it doesn't okay. have Timon and Pumbaa, what's the point? They can be in it. <gasps> there are. They're the witches. Yes. <laughs> but who's the third one? The, oh, it's the SCU, the Shakespeare Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I will absolutely take credit for that. Disney, my name is Elise Cannon. <laughs> please, please make Macbeth with Timon, Pumbaa. What about Zazu? Oh, Zazu is the third witch. Yes. Okay, okay but, but let's let's look at this for a minute. What would our English classes have been like had we had we read Hamlet and then and then they said, okay, you know the Lion King, right? And we'd all be like, yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yes. And then what if... We watched it then and discussed it and discussed how it's different and discussed, oh. like, like, would there be something to gain from that? Could Absolutely. we do that with other things? Yeah. And I mean, that just goes, you know, that just gets into the, like, hatred of, like, children's media and, like, like how we look, look down on that and whatever. Yeah. Which I think is stupid because I do think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a lot to talk about in reference. Especially, especially because it's a story that we know. Yeah. 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 Or we should have known. I hadn't watched it at that point, but we won't talk about it. Anyway. Yeah, modern adaptations of Shakespeare are so super helpful, and in doing my research for my current project, I have found a bunch of modern interpretations, and I think my favorite thing I've stumbled upon is there is an entire series of manga dedicated to retelling the classics. Oh, that sounds very useful, especially for a lot of students. It can be really hard to get into full novels or full plays. Yeah. So to have it in a graphic novel or a manga format would be super helpful for those students. Definitely. I would also like to add, going back to the pop culture thing, I recently saw a post where a scholar was kind of hypothesizing that Shakespeare's witches in Macbeth were the beginning of the trope of like the mean girl trio and insinuated <laughs> that he was responsible for the, I don't remember what they're called, but the Cheerios from Glee. Oh my God. <laughs> That wow. is such an interesting take. I am here for it. And can you imagine reading Macbeth and thinking like, ah, oh, yes, this one right here, that's Santana. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. It'd that be so much Regina more George. interesting. Yeah. Thanks. I'd like to throw in some more of our favorite quotes from our survey related to Shakespeare. Absolutely. Because um, we have some absolute gold mines, and some of these are really great providing context and, and things for teachers, you know, what are these? What did your students remember? What stuck with them? So one of them said, "My English teacher in ninth grade dressed up in a Ren Fair outfit for the first day of Romeo and Juliet and recited the opening sonnet from memory. If my ninth grade <laughs> English teacher had done that, I would remember the sonnet word for word. Oh, for sure. Oh, yes. for, I don't know about word for word, but See, I see this is an English related. But my chemistry teacher would dress up as different personas for each." theory we would learn classic and i remember those better than i remember any english class i've ever <laughs> taken yeah 
but definitely like like something like that would stick in your brain and i i have such respect for teachers who go to like these great lengths to make that kind of like this kind of like shakespearean language this kind of older language that we associate with a lot of the classics accessible in that kind of format because even if you're just like even if you're just bringing humor into it because you're like oh i know that my students would really get a kick out of seeing me in my Ren Faire costume. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's something that they remember. Yeah, it's a teaching method that works. Yeah. It does. Like memes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and that leads yeah. us into another, another quote. One of my best memories was when my AP lit teacher would post a meme on the board every class when we were reading Hamlet, and she encouraged us to submit our own. I created a BuzzFeed unsolved meme that I submitted, and I swear to God, I've never felt more appreciated by my classmates. It's just the little things that make that stick with you, right? So this person now has a positive association with Hamlet and is probably more, you know, willing to read it or discuss it and just has a greater appreciation for it. I think using memes to gauge a student's understanding is a great way to do it. I mean, we did that. We had a blog thing that we did during one of our English classes here in college and I made so many memes for that, and and I know that my professor could see, okay, if she understands this enough to make a really funny, relatable post about it, that's, she's reading it, she gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's important. Right. And another another comment we got on the, in that same vein says, Shakespeare was okay only because my class had a lot of fun with it, but it was hard to read on my own. So making it fun and interesting is really vital to getting your students to understand it and enjoy it. Yeah, I had, uh, when I was reading Romeo and Juliet, I had a teacher who just assigned us chunks of it to read every night alone, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, when I was reading it in class, and we were like doing that part, I was really engaged, but then I would go home, and I would read it on my own, just like, I don't know, a scene or two, not much, but you, you miss a lot in that time, because you're not, you're not getting the experience of collaborating with others, and getting that like vocal feedback or like getting the context of the the jokes even in like in these memes like we're talking about now so it's just it totally changes your perspective on it i think that also just makes it inaccessible in a in a lot of forms of that word but particularly i'm thinking neurodivergent students i had undiagnosed adhd in high school and if i had to go home and read a bunch of shakespeare on my own it, it just wouldn't stick with me. Right. And that's that makes it really, really hard for those students, especially if you're going to walk into class at the next day and have to take a reading comprehension test, which Man, I can rant reading, about for reading hours. Reading comprehension test. That's, oh, yeah. That's for another day. Yes. <laughs> that is a whole other Stay issue. Stay tuned for that episode. <laughs> and with that, we would like to turn the question to you guys. Um, if you're a teacher, why do you focus primarily on the tragedies and how do you teach them? And students, what do you get out of these tragedies? What stuck with you about how they were taught or any of the content? We would love to hear from you. Yeah, you can find us on social media at EYRL Podcast. That's EYRL Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We now have a website that is EYRLpodcast.wordpress.com. You can also go old school, I guess, and email us at podcast EYRL so it's flipped, at gmail.com, podcast, E-Y-R-L, at gmail.com. And you can still participate in our survey, which is linked everywhere. And again, these are the quotes that you're hearing from us are submitted via our anonymous survey. It's not a very involved thing. You can check off the books that you 
I've read in high school and let us know your thoughts. We want to hear them. Finally, thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a great time. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love being here.